I, I think we just have to have faith that the community will come together and say, hey, we want to help. You're listening to the Mental Health Download from the nonprofit Mental Health Association, Oklahoma. I'm Christy Sturgill, the Director of Marketing for the Association. And on today's episode, my co-host is Wendy Freilich, the Association's Chief Administrative Officer. Wendy, thank you so much for being here. And I just want to start this conversation by talking about the Association's COVID-19 Relief Fund. It's going on right now on the Mental Health Association Oklahoma's Facebook page. The fundraiser is critical to support the association's programs and services during this challenging time. Wendy, as you know, there is a lot of work happening on the front lines to protect vulnerable populations and our unsheltered neighbors. Mental Health Association Oklahoma is providing meals for people experiencing homelessness. We're maintaining support groups virtually through Zoom. Our amazing staff is just working very hard to protect our tenants living in the apartment complexes. And we know that we can count on our supporters to help us reach our $15,000 goal in the next two weeks. We've already raised about $1,000, so we're making great progress, but we definitely need more people donating today. It's super easy. Just visit our Facebook page, search for Mental Health Association Oklahoma, then click donate. You can also donate on the association website at mhaok.org. We're going to have a conversation about how the donations are going to make an impact. And to do that, Wendy and I are going to talk with our chief financial officer, Jessica Phillips. The mental health download starts now. Good morning, Jessica. I hope you're well. How are you and your family during during this difficult time? Um, the girls are a little crazy, but other than that, we're doing good. And you have how many girls? Three. Three girls. And they're what ages? Ten, seven, and four. That's a lot going on in your household right now. Just a little bit. We're, you know, becoming a teacher and I teach dance now and gymnastics turns out. So when we talk about things being a lot, that's your home life. But then, of course, as the chief financial officer, you have this whole work life where we're trying to maintain the fiscal health of Mental Health Association Oklahoma. How overwhelming are you finding that right now? Um, overwhelming would be a little bit of an understatement. I, I don't try to do it all right now. Mostly the kids are watching shows on TV. I, I try to make it educational sometimes, but a lot of times they're playing and having fun. They're not doing schoolwork. We're not doing anything extra. We're all stuck in the house anyways. They pretty much stay out of the office. They, they come in to get you know snacks or need me to open something or pour a drink. But other than that, they're, they're doing really great at, at me being home and, and letting me do what I need to do. So when you're focused on what you need to do in terms of being chief financial officer, what are some of your biggest concerns right now related to the financial health of Mental Health Association Oklahoma? Well, right now, as, as COVID-19 is coming around, we're having a lot of additional expenses that we're having to incur. We're uncertain about all of our revenue that is normally coming in. We're not sure what that's going to look like in the coming months. We're not sure if tenants are going to be able to pay rent. We're not sure if our grants are going to draw the same way. It's really just the uncertainty that's, that's the concern. So the association has 24-hour staffed rental complexes, so apartment complexes. There's no way we can't have staff at those sites Talk about some of the expenses that are being incurred at those sites in particular. 
So at those three locations, we have installed some plexiglass to kind of keep the tenants from breathing on the staff, from coughing on the staff. Um, a, a lot of them, it's hard for them to understand. There's tape on the floor, stay behind it. They've been with these people every day of, you know, for the last, we have people who've lived there for 15 years. You know, they're used to something normal to having that interaction and now they're not able to do that. We're asking them to try to stay in their rooms as much as possible, and, and it's different for them. Um, we're feeding them meals. We also are, you know, if somebody needs groceries, we're trying to help those people out by going and getting them and delivering them. Um, we're helping those at homeless encampments. You know, we're bringing them food. We're bringing them prescriptions. We're, we're doing some extra things that, that normally isn't in our purview, but we need to help people right now. I think that's our biggest struggle right now, right? It's trying to meet the needs of the people we serve in as safe a way as possible in an understanding that these expenses were not in our budget for this year. So you also talked about the concern about income. Can you talk about that a bit more? Where's our struggle? What, what are your concerns? So, so there are a few layers of those concerns. Um, unrestricted donations, just the general public saying, hey, here's $10, use it however you want. Here's $100, use it however you want. You know, we're used to those coming in in, in a steady stream. When that stops because people have lost their jobs and lost their income, that impacts our ability to, to pay utilities, to pay our staff, just all of those general costs that come along with, you know, running an organization. Um, and, and that's the, the biggest thing there. So a decrease in unrestricted donations, an increase in costs that we had not anticipated incurring, this obviously impacts the entire financial health of the organization. So if you were looking six months down the road, what are you envisioning? What are you seeing? What are your biggest concerns? And how do you think we can overcome those concerns? So I think if, if, if everyone can, can kind of band together and say, you know, I'm not eating out anymore. We're not doing these extra things. We don't, we, we can't go, go shopping. To try to look for a, a, an organization, a nonprofit to help out, whether that's us or someone else, I think that this is the time that someone could get involved. You know, you're spending more time at home. You have that extra time. If you can't give financially, maybe reach out to see if there's ways you can volunteer from home to help out those organizations. Um, we're also having issues with knowing whether or not people are going to be able to pay rent. Um, we have almost 2,000 tenants and their families we don't know what that's going to look like. I, I'm not worried about next month. I don't think that's when I'm going to see the big problem. It's going to be in the coming months when those bills start piling up for people and they don't have that income back. They're saying, I, I can't pay the rent. Um, our big thing is we don't want to turn someone back into experiencing homelessness. So we're trying to work with them to, to find ways to supplement that rent, whether it's being able to get them on Section 8 or finding a grant that they can be a part of, which grants are another issue right now. We, we have our drop-in centers are closed for the moment. We have uh, grants that are operating differently than designed because typically we go out and meet with people face-to-face. -face. So we're having to buy emergency bus passes so that people can ride the bus to their doctor's appointment. We're, you know, taking them things instead of meeting with them face to face. And since that grant is operating differently than designed, we're going to have to reach out to those granters, those donors and say, hey, can we still draw down the salaries and the expenses 
from this grant or are we going to have to turn to our operational money to supplement it? So I find it fascinating in hearing about the struggles that you are trying to work through right now as the chief financial officer and knowing how personally, I know how fiscally conservative you are and I know how fiscally conservative the association is. How are you making the determinations of what costs we can incur right now when, again, as we've already said, a lot of these expenses were not in our original budget for this year? Well, I think I think working for a nonprofit in general requires a little bit of faith. Um, our donors, they, they, they tend to go above and beyond to help us out. Our development team and grant writers are always looking for ways they can help out their rock stars. Um, and I know that while we're having to incur these unexpected expenses, our staff are still watching costs and looking for the best deals. Um, they always know that I'm saying, stop spending money. But at this point in time, this is this is the lives of people. Um, and I think that that something comes from that. You have to say, they're not going to have groceries if we don't spend money on it. You know, we, we have to buy these thermometers to be able to check people's temperatures. You know, we want to keep everyone safe. Um, I, I think at one complex, we have almost 80 people living there. If we have that many people in one location, we have to do everything we can to keep people safe. If that's buying gloves, if that's buying masks, buying additional cleaning supplies, I, I think we just have to have faith that the community will come together and say, hey, we want to help. And I think that has been some of the leadership that you've brought to us in saying, you haven't said no. Every time we come together as a group of chiefs and, and we're saying about all the needs that our staff have, whether it's IT needs so we can remote work, whether it's safe and uh, cleaning materials so we can keep our staff safe, whether it's like you said, bringing meals, you have never said no. It's always, we will figure it out. How are you maintaining that hope that we will figure this out in this really difficult time? Well, as an association, we've, we've been through some, some trials and tribulations. We've been on a roller coaster ride. It's not always butterflies and rainbows here, but somehow we make it work. Um, I think that's just the, the community of people that we work with, the staff, everyone is willing to pitch in and help out as best they can. We try to watch things so closely. I have a great team who, who is watching every invoice that comes through. They check every credit card receipt. You know, we're looking for just little ways that we can cut those costs and make it work. Um, I, I, I really think that we're going to come out on the other side of this okay. And it's, and it's hard to, to think that way. I don't think that way in my personal life either. You know, I, I think, oh my goodness, how, how are we going to do this next month? Um, talking about being conservative. I'm literally sitting in a closet with clothes that don't fit my kids right now. They're, they're the in-between sizes and I don't, I don't get rid of them. I keep them and my kids are going to wear them and enjoy it. Um, and I think that's what we do with the association too. You know, we, we say, Hey, you know, Hold on to that. We're not throwing it away. We're going to use it later. That's definitely a mentality. So everybody is is trying to be conservative and, and trying to make their budgets work, which means the, the thought of even donating might feel 
frivolous right now. It might feel like too much. It might feel like a risk to them. So how do we communicate the importance of donating in this time in a way that people know that no matter what they donate, it matters? Because for them, you know, $10 might be all they can do or $5 might be all they can do. And they might think like, that's not enough. That's not going to help them. So I'm just going to, you know, keep that in my savings account just in case this gets worse. How do those types of donations serve us, even even the small ones? I mean, even teeny tiny donations make a giant difference. I mean, that can be be the difference of whether or not we're able to take that meal to that encampment of, of people who are experiencing homelessness. $5 can provide us those groceries to give them. They're not asking for a lot. They're not looking for a lot. We just need to be able to take them something. The same way with little things like, I mean... $2 could, could buy a pair of gloves. I mean, that's going to protect someone from potentially contracting COVID. I mean, every little thing adds up, I promise. Um, we're, we're buying nails to, you know, fix something in someone's apartment. Um, we're doing all kinds of little things that add up. And if, if you donate a dollar and then that one person you told about it donates a dollar, it, it, it becomes huge. And I think to that point as well, it's about trying to get those unrestricted dollars because I think we will have funds, hopefully through our very generous donors that will support specific COVID-19 costs. But the reality is we still have our everyday costs that we're not getting the unrestricted dollars to be able to cover right now. So it's this, um, it's this dichotomy of making sure that we can meet all of our needs, not just the COVID-19 needs, which are really astronomical right now. For listeners um, who may not know the difference between restricted and unrestricted dollars, can you just quickly define like that just as a clarification? So our unrestricted dollar is going to be something that we can spend on whatever we need to spend it on. Um, that's someone saying, here's a dollar, you do what best fits. Um, a restricted donation would be someone saying, here's a dollar, you can only spend it on this specific thing that I say. I mean, they could, somebody could bring me a dollar and say, you have to spend it on Lysol. If they say that, I'm going to spend that dollar on Lysol. It can be very specific, and that's all that we can spend that dollar on. So the unrestricted dollars is what helps cover utilities, helps cover payroll, helps cover our vehicle leases or our building leases, just those everyday costs that we're incurring. Yes. So, Jessica, how... Do you balance, and we've talked about this a little bit, but I want you just to get a little bit more into it. How do you balance the concern about expenses and the concern for the health and safety of our staff and the people we serve? How do you make that work? Faith. We're not sure how it's going to work. We're, we're hoping that it will work and, and we're trusting that it will work. Right now, payroll is, is a big concern for everyone. I, I, it's not just our association. I think it's every business and, um, in, in the United States, at least. I know that, that there are many states and many cities that are having these same issues, you know, where people aren't allowed to go out and do their normal job. So a lot of people are being furloughed or laid off. We're not doing that at the association. We have told some individuals, go home. 
You cannot come to these sites. You cannot work, but we're still paying them. Everyone's trying to do as much as they can from home, but some of these positions aren't really designed as, as a work from home position. In those cases, we're still paying these individuals and they're doing what they can. They're still on call available to, you know, troubleshoot and, and, and come up with ideas. A lot of them are doing trainings during this time. But, uh, but being able to pay those people is a huge concern. And, and that's something I'm, I'm worried about. But the health and wellness of the staff is more important. If, if they are sick, they can't do anything. And, and I definitely don't want anyone getting COVID and being in the hospital and, and, and actually, you know, being one of those numbers. I, I don't want a death on our hands. I don't want to feel like I was in any way responsible for someone getting sick or getting someone else sick. You know, we're doing the very best we can. We're taking a very conservative approach to pulling people back and saying, if we think that this might put you in danger, let's not do it. Let's, let's be safe about it. As you are going through this as, a, as the association's chief financial officer, and as you are dealing with the struggles that are coming along with this pandemic, what advice or tips would you have for other financial entities of nonprofits that are also struggling with these determinations? Um, I think a lot of it is, is, is watching the expenses during this time. I think this is, this is a time that people are, are tending to freak out a little bit, to hoard, to you know, worry about, well, what if that's not there tomorrow? I need to just get it today. Or, um, or the thinking that, you know, well, maybe that, that we'll have more donations during this time because this specific COVID-related stuff, but maybe we should spend more money gathering up COVID-related items. We're not doing that. We're not hoarding. We're not trying to spend additional money. We're going to stay conservative as we always have been, maintain as normal cost as possible. We're able to reduce some of our costs by some of our staff being able to stay home. You know, they're not out spending those dollars they would normally spend. So I think a little of that can help cover the COVID expenses. But as soon as they come back, those expenses are going to multiply exponentially because we're not doing those work orders right now. We're not doing those those little fixes in, in the apartment complexes. There are a lot of things that are on hold right now that when they come back, it, it's going to be really tough. And I think that's the, the, the big concern for me is, is looking forward. Right now, we're able to maintain these expenses and, and keep everything a little calm. But in the future, it's all going to ramp up and we're going to have to do a lot of work really fast to, to be able to provide these units to those experiencing homelessness to get them off the by name list and into a unit. And we can't do that if the unit's not ready. Um, I, I think that that other associations, you know, really just need to watch their expenses and, and make a call out to their donors, make a call out on Facebook, you know, just say, hey, guys, we need some help, you know, bring the community together and, and say, hey, let's all, you know, 
be a helper. That's what I've been working on my kids with, you know, find a way that, that we can help someone, you know, what, what could we do today? You know, whether it's, you know, make it a little coloring sheet and, and go drop it in your, your neighbor's mailbox. Or um, we've had some people in the neighborhood who are in that over 70 population and they post on our Facebook group, say, Hey, could you pick this up if you go to the store? Or I've seen, but have a teaspoon of cinnamon, um, just little things like that. We're, we're looking for ways to, to be a helper. And I think that that works for adults as well, not just for, for the kids. I love that. Be a helper. And as Christy was saying, one way that our listeners can be a helper is to make a contribution to Mental Health Association Oklahoma through our Facebook page, through our website. I think, Jessica, you, we are so proud to have you leading this department during this difficult time. Not only do you bring your skill of just accounting, but your skill of you care for people, you understand the struggles that we're facing as we try to keep our staff and residents safe, and you understand where we need to be fiscally conservative to ensure we can do all those extras right now that we had never planned for. So we are so grateful to you for what you're doing and keeping us on the right track so that at the end of this, which I pray there will be an end, we will get to the other side and the association will then be fiscally healthy and we'll be able to maintain our programs and services that are so important in our community. So if you can give, please give. And I say, go do good things.